Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, March 4th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Spending more, getting less. I don't know about you, but that's the story of my life right now. I think that's the story of pretty much everybody's life. You know, we talk a lot about inflation and it almost becomes an academic exercise. You know, we're talking about monetary policy or we're focusing on it in the context of investing. But rising prices are putting real strain on real people every single day. Uh, Yesterday, I drove from the Tampa Bay area back up to northeast Florida and uh, I paid $4.56 for gasoline. Now, granted, my car takes premium, but even regular gas was hitting $3.84 at a lot of stations along the way. Uh, You go to the grocery store, you're paying more. I've mentioned before that we're renovating a house. Material costs are eating us up. Now, you know, we're told that inflation, well, you know, no big deal because wages go up too. And yes, wages are going up, but they're not going up as fast as consumer prices. Here's some data that shows just how much inflation is chewing up your paycheck. While consumer prices rose 0.7% in January, income from all sources, including wages, salaries, interest, dividends, rental income, uh, government stuff like unemployment, social security, that was essentially flat. So really no gain in wages. Now we have been seeing a gain in nominal wages in past months, but we didn't even get that in January. And when you adjust for inflation, real personal income fell by 0.5%. So inflation was up 0.7, your real income fell by 0.5. Looking at the bigger picture, real incomes have fallen 7.5% from stimulus inflated 2021. Now, if you go back to January 2020, real incomes are up a modest 3.7%. So you're a little better off than you were two years ago, but you're certainly worse off than you were last year when the government was handing you money. Now, keep in mind, this is aggregate data. There are more people in America than there were last year. So you have to adjust for population growth. If you do that, the numbers become even bleaker. Real personal income fell 10.1% from a year ago and was only up 1.8% from January 2020. Now, even though our personal incomes, our real incomes are falling, we're still spending money. Consumer spending rose by 0.8% in January from December. That's seasonally adjusted. And year over year, Uh, Consumer spending is up 11.6%. But when you factor in 7.5% annual CPI, it becomes really clear that Americans are spending a lot more, but they're getting a whole lot less for it. Most of the increase in spending simply represents rising prices. And, And the reality is even worse, right? The numbers that we're talking about, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, that's based on a government rigged formula. Using an honest CPI of around 15%, all of the spending increase and then some is eaten up by inflation. So really what's happening here is you're making a little bit more money, but prices are rising even faster. Your paycheck is getting eaten up. And when it's all said and done, you've got less stuff. You've got less goods. You've got less services. You've got less money left over to save because these price increases are 
eating up your paycheck. And you know this. I mean, you look at your own personal budget, you can confirm that this is exactly what is going on. Okay, so now we are one week into the Russia-Ukraine war. Of course, that has caused a tremendous amount of volatility in the markets. Uh, Stocks were down yesterday. They've been up, down. Um, We've seen kind of a pivot back away from the dividend value stocks back into some of the more speculative stocks. Uh, I think some of this probably represents the fact that a lot of investors think that, oh, good, now that we've got this war, the Federal Reserve isn't going to tighten monetary policy as much as we thought. And I, I think they're right about that. We'll get into that in just a second. Um, after whipsawing up and down last week, gold has clawed its way upward uh, through most of this week. We were over 1950 an ounce as I was prepping for this show, and we're also seeing a breakout in silver. Uh, the white metal is solidly above $25 an ounce at around $25.24 when I started uh, show prep. Now, commodity prices are really going up. Everything wheat, uh, aluminum, oil. Oil has really spiked. It was in the $110 a barrel range this week. Last time oil was that high was April of 2008. Now, that's not good news on the consumer price front, right? Energy prices do tend to ripple through the economy. Everything depends on energy. So this will add even more price pressure to the price pressure that's already being caused by inflation. And when I say inflation, I mean inflation properly defined the increase in the money supply that we've uh, been gifted by the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. Now, I guess in some ways, this is good news for the central bankers over at the Fed. Now they have another excuse for a continued rise in inflation. It can be Russia's fault. As I talked about last week, this could give the Fed wiggle room to back off monetary tightening. Now, so far, Jerome Powell is standing firm. He was on Capitol Hill this week testifying before Congress, and he said he supports a 25 basis point hike at the March meeting later this month. Now, of course, we have a couple of weeks before that, so who knows what what we'll actually get. But you'll notice nobody is talking about a 50 basis point hike anymore. Now, during his testimony, Powell was really pushing how strong the U.S. economy is, but his actions actually betray his rhetoric. He was forced to admit that given how strong the economy is, these low rates are not appropriate. But he's only talking about a quarter percent rate hike in March. I think he knows that this great economy is merely a function of all of the funny money created over the last two years. The economy is drunk. Low rates are the alcohol. It may not be appropriate to stay drunk, but we're going to stay drunk because nobody wants to deal with the hangover. Now, here's another funny thing that Powell said. He pulled some rhetoric out of Ben Bernanke's notes. He said the Fed isn't monetizing the federal government's debt. He said monetization would mean the central bank holds the bonds on its balance sheet forever. It would be a permanent source of financing. Powell emphasized that the Fed is going to shrink its balance sheet. So this isn't really debt monetization. You know, Bernanke said the exact same thing back in 2008 when he was testifying before Congress after the Fed first started quantitative easing. He told Congress that the Fed was not monetizing the debt and that the QE was an emergency measure. And he said, once the crisis is over, the bonds are going to be sold. The balance sheet will shrink back to normal. So shall we review history? The Fed pumped the balance sheet 
to $4.5 trillion after the financial crisis. Uh, you know, this was all uh, the non-monetization QE that the Fed ran. When the Fed finally got around to shrinking the balance sheet in 2018, the markets threw a hissy fit, the economy got shaky, and the central bank went right back to quantitative easing. Now, it got down to like $3.8 trillion on the balance sheet and gave up. Didn't even get a trillion dollars off. Most of the treasuries that the Fed bought in the first round of QE are still on the balance sheet today. And now it's ballooned to something like $8.7 trillion with all of the QE that's been done during the coronavirus pandemic. Now, don't get me wrong when I say the bonds are still on the balance sheet. A lot of them are gone and they've just rolled them over into new bonds. But the money is still there, right? So regardless, I'm just a tad skeptical that this isn't debt monetization. But hey, nice job, Powell, dipping into the Fed archive of lies. Now, Powell also claimed that debt monetization doesn't cause inflation. He said inflation is caused by high demand and supply problems. Dude, printing dollars out of thin air stimulates demand. That's the entire point of your monetary policy. That's literally why you do it. So how can you sit there and say that it's not causing inflation? Again, I love the quote by Milton Friedman. Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. But of course, most of the dummies in Congress don't know this, and the ones who do know it, they don't want you to know it because their borrow and spend game depends on the Fed monetizing the debt. Of course, the Fed is monetizing the debt. The U.S. wouldn't be able to run up this kind of debt if the Fed didn't have its big fat thumb on the bond market. If the Fed wasn't buying treasuries and propping up demand, the U.S. government would not be able to borrow trillions of dollars. It wouldn't be able to spend trillions of dollars. We wouldn't have this crazy, insane debt spiral that we're seeing today. The federal government or the Federal Reserve is enabling this through debt monetization. And, you know, Powell can stand up there and claim otherwise. He's either lying to you, most likely, or he's just stupid and doesn't know. A little less likely, but who knows? I'll let you decide on that. So, Powell told a couple of more whoppers. He claimed the Fed doesn't consider the unsustainable path of federal borrowing and spending when planning monetary policy. Now, if you believe that, I have some beachfront property in Arizona to sell you. Of course, they're worried about debt monetization. Of course, they're worried about the uh, sustainability of borrowing and spending. The Fed is essentially, I mean, everybody talking, you know, the Fed is a private bank. It is kind of, but it's really part of the government. It's part of the government apparatus. And believe me, Powell and all of those central bankers, they're political creatures. They are very much plugged into what is going on politically, and they're not going to do anything to damage uh, the, the federal government's, you know, borrow and spend game that it's playing up there because, you know, they find themselves without jobs and without buddies in Washington and people be mad at them at the cocktail party. So, yes, the Fed is considering the unsustainable path of federal borrowing and spending. I guarantee you they're worried that if they really do stop QE, if they really do try to shrink the balance sheet, that it's going to create a collapse in the bond market, which you know, probably will because, again, the Fed has its big fat thumb on the bond market. Powell also said that the time to deal with the government's fiscal issues is when the economy is strong. Well, Powell said the economy is very strong, so 
I guess we can expect those big budget cuts any day now, right? So as far as this strong economy goes, we got some news this week that really undercuts that narrative. On Tuesday, the Atlanta Fed cut its GDP estimate for the first quarter of 2022 to zero. Zero. As in no growth. So the projection is that this booming economy that Powell's telling us about will not grow one iota in Q1. Now, just a few days ago, the estimate was for 0.6% growth. That was down from 1.3% just a few days before that. So now, obviously, we're seeing some of the impacts from uh, the invasion of of Ukraine. Um, But still, 1.3%, that's not exactly rip-roaring economic growth. And, and it's certainly not an encouraging trend to see it go to zero. Now, keep in mind, the Atlanta Fed GDP estimates tend to start high and then fall as the quarter progresses. We're still early in the quarter, and we're at zero. So just a few weeks ago, a collapse in economic growth, I mean, that kind of seemed impossible. We're coming off 7% GDP growth in Q4, capping off the fastest growth year on record. But here we are. Now, Stagflation. Stagflation is defined as little to no economic growth coupled with high inflation. And here we are. This GDP uh, projection by the Atlanta Fed is a huge stagflation warning. Peter Schiff's been warning about it. I've talked about it. It's coming down the pike. We're going to see low economic growth and we're going to see high inflation. That's what we're moving towards. Now, this puts Powell and his crew in a nasty spot, right? How does the Fed typically deal with a stalling economy? Monetary stimulus, right? It cuts rates. It prints money to stimulate demand. Right, Powell? But we still have this raging inflation problem that looks to be getting even worse. Powell is promising a rate hike to fight inflation. They're still talking about shrinking the balance sheet. So what's a central banker to do? Well, if you're asking me to guess, purely a guess, but I think the Fed will back off tightening or abandon it completely. It may even have to ramp up QE again. Now, I do think that it will probably push rates up in March, uh, you know, and, and it may get a few rate hikes in there. But as soon as the economy gets really shaky, and it could get really shaky really fast with the situation in Russia and, and Ukraine, when that happens, the fork that the Fed knows is easy money. When the economy is collapsing, you loosen up money. It seems likely the central banks will follow that script and ultimately just ignore the inflation. Now, the markets seem to think this is the likely path. They've already priced out two of the projected 2022 rate hikes. And, of course, now the Fed can blame Russia on inflation, right? I mentioned this earlier in the show. I mean, they already blame it on everything but their own policy. So, you know, Russia, great excuse, great scapegoat. In a podcast this week, Peter Schiff called Russia the new excuse variant for the Fed. You know, used all of the the various coronavirus variants as an excuse. Well, now we have the Russia excuse. Uh, I'll link to Peter's show in the show notes page. But, you know, the fact is, Powell is already singing this tune. Yesterday, he said the Russian invasion could make inflation worse, at least for a while. You know, it's transitory. He said commodity prices have moved up, energy prices in particular. That's going to work its way through the U.S. economy. We're going to see upward pressure on inflation at least for a while. Well, you know, it's been a while, already a year, right? So hold on to your wallets. You're going to keep getting less for more. 
That's the that's the trajectory here. So anyway, inflation is going to continue to spiral upward. That seems obvious. The Fed is going to throw more gasoline on the inflationary fire. I mean, even if it does tighten, even kind of aggressively, it's still going to be throwing gasoline on the inflationary fire because we have a situation where we are so behind the inflation curve, there's no way the Fed can catch up. We have very accommodative monetary policy. And if the Fed tightens a little bit, we're going to have just a little less very accommodative monetary policy. All of this seems less than ideal. So, you know what today is? Today is Jobs Day. The Labor Department is going to release its employment report here in just a few minutes. The projection is for another 400,000 jobs to be added, the unemployment rate to drop. So, everybody's expecting a strong jobs report. And since um, I'm running behind and we're almost to uh, the release of that report, let's go ahead and uh, pause for a moment. I'll wait for the report to come out and I will break the numbers live. All right, so that's one heck of a jobs report. Um, Crushed expectations. The projections were for about 400,000 new jobs, so they were optimistic to start with. Uh, Apparently 678,000 new jobs, um, so that's way ahead of expectations. The unemployment rate dropped to 3.8% down from 4%, and that was uh, pretty much in line with expectations. So um, let's see what gold is doing on the news. Um, so gold has dropped, which you would expect, um, because this is going to give the Fed a little bit of ammo to maybe be a little bit more aggressive with tightening because they can continue to claim that the economy is great. Uh, again, the economy is just great because, well, of all the stimulus. So when they take the stimulus away, it's not going to be so great. But um, that's neither here nor there. Right now, let's see, gold is... Uh, we're at 1944, so we're down about six bucks from where we were when I first started prepping the show. I, well, we'll see how the gold thing goes. I don't, I don't like projecting uh, daily price swings, but anyway, good jobs report. I'm sure that um, our technical analyst will dig into those numbers. You know, with these jobs reports, a lot of times there's a lot behind the headline numbers. So as we go into next week, we'll start digging into that, and uh, we'll continue onward. Regardless, I think this is a good time to prepare. I don't think things are on a great trajectory here. I mean, you know, we've got projections of zero growth. We've got projections of higher inflation. We've got a war on. Might be a good time to think about adding gold to your portfolio. And if you're interested in doing that, call the precious metal specialist over at Shift Gold. Uh, you can call 1-888-GOLD-160. You can shoot them an email, info at shiftgold.com. Um, as I say every week, these guys are fantastic, and uh, they'll look at your portfolio, your investment goals, where you are, and help you see how precious metals can work into your portfolio. So, with that, we have a gold wrap for the week. Of course, you can get all of the stories that I've talked about today and more over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap podcast. We're on the uh, Apple podcast. We're on Stitcher. We're on YouTube. You'll find links for these things on the show notes page. Uh, One individual pointed out that when I say show notes page, some people might not know where that is. I do link to it on both uh, the um, SoundCloud 
and YouTube. But if you're on like Apple Podcasts, you might not know. The show notes page is different every week, but you can just go to shipgold.com slash news and uh, you'll see it relatively close to the top of the blog there. It's just the podcast page. And when you click on it, you'll see the, uh, the SoundCloud, you'll see the YouTube, and if you go to the bottom, you'll see all of the show notes. So everything is right there. You can contact me. I'd love to hear from you. M. Meharry at shipgold.com. You spell my last name, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y. So M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Again, we'd love to hear from you folks. I hope you have a great weekend and a fantastic week next week. And I'll talk to you next time.